you're going on a journey. All you have to do is follow my voice. In December of 2020, Warner Brothers announced that all of their 2021 studio releases, including Wonder Woman 1984, Dune, The Matrix 4, In the Heights, The Suicide Squad, Godzilla vs. Kong, etc., would be available to stream or rent online the same day that they are released in theaters. Venus and Serena gonna shake up this world. Since the global pandemic is still raging, some of these major tent poles may not ever make it to your local cinema. The streets were made of music. Many think this will herald the end of movie theaters. After all, why leave your house and sit in a public theater for what you can now watch while sitting on your couch in your pajamas? But don't forget, theaters have faced similar crises in the past and have endured. Mortal Kombat. Will theaters survive this time? Should they survive? Does anyone care? Let's find out today on The Viewer's Cut. In theaters and on HBO Max. Mr. Haynes. Hey, how's it going, Dad? Thanks for joining me today. I always enjoy talking with you. Oh, that's so sweet of you to say. I know it's a lie, but, you know. Yeah, it's my radio personality. I gotta be nice. Yeah. I... I I think it's accurate to say, I hope you won't be offended if I were to say that you are a particular person. Is that about right? Um, I am a particular person, but I've become less particular as, the, as I grow older. So, Would you say you were particular about how and where you watch a movie for the first time? Uh, absolutely. Um, but I'm getting a little bit more flexible, but I used to be very strict on how I could watch a movie and where and the conditions around it. And therefore, the topic of uh, where in the future you may or may not be able to see a movie for the first time is one that is important to me and I thought might be important to you as well. We've talked before on this podcast about going to the theater and movie theater experiences but with this uh, more recent announcement of brand new movies, uh, big uh, blockbuster movies being released uh, online, either through a streaming platform or available to rent online, um, it, I think it, it really brings it up the question again of, of theaters and, well, will theaters even survive? Will we be able to see movies in the theaters anymore? So I'll jump right in with the first big question. Do you think that the ability to stream at home big blockbuster movies on the same day that they're released in theaters, is, is this going to be the final nail in the coffin? Will this kill movie theaters? <sighs> That's a loaded question just because uh, I don't know. I don't know if anything will legitimately kill it. It's definitely going to hurt the industry, especially right now. But yeah, I can't talk about post-pandemic, so... We'll see. But uh, yes, it's definitely going to hurt revenue and probably going to affect a lot of big blockbuster movies. I don't know. Are they going to be able to make movies that cost a certain X amount of uh, money? Because, uh, yeah, yeah. The thing about the theaters is the system is uh, movies get a release there and they get to rake in all the cash. And then after that, they would get a streaming uh, release 
or DVD release, physical release, and then they would make more money on top of that. So they're losing out on step one of making profit, which kind of it's going to hurt. Um, it's going to hurt the movies. And and you know, speaking from just like your own personal experience, or maybe people that you've talked to, or people that you know, friends or family, do you think that they are fussy about where they want to see a movie? Do, are people generally like, oh, I, 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 I got to see this in the theater. I got to go see it. Or are they more than happy to just, are you more than happy to just be like, hey, I can get it at home now. Good enough. My family, they don't really care. They don't really go to the movies too often. So it's not going to affect them. Uh, I have some friends here in Toronto who are all about going to the movies. So I feel like it's going to affect them more. Uh, personally, um I don't want to watch some movies at my in my house, but I might have to because, you know, safety does come first. And, uh, you know, when the buzz is around a movie and everyone's, like, talking about them, there's the YouTube videos on, like, the breakdowns and theories. You know, you don't want to really miss out on those, those moments. So it seems like you, you might be forced into watching it through streaming depending on where you are. And you don't want to do that? I would. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Um, you, you already know the answer, but I would prefer to go to the movie theaters if I could, pretty much for any movie. And you mentioned revenue. What's interesting, I haven't researched this enough, but what's interesting is that I don't know how much a movie makes when it's released on a streaming platform. Right. Like every single weekend, they used to release the box office totals and you know how a movie did um internationally or domestically we had all those stats now i don't even i don't even understand how it works yeah. like it, a, a movie a distributor or a, a production company used to make a deal with the local theater or with a um, not a local but a, a chain and a percentage of the revenue would go to the the theater chain and a percentage would go to the the studio now, I don't I, like when people aren't directly paying money just to see that movie because they're paying for a subscription, which they have all year. I don't I don't even know how they divide up. Like, how do they know how much money that particular movie brought in versus how much money just the streaming service is bringing in? Do you have any do you have any concept of how that works? Uh, I really don't. And I think that's what everyone's up in arms about right now is because you know, actors aren't going to get paid as much or the creative people behind it won't get a payday. And I think they're trying to work out how that will actually come. I, I'm guessing, you know, obviously all the money comes from the amount of subscriptions. And then I guess the amount of streams that each movie gets would make a percentage. But that's what I don't get because um, if a movie came out first, it would probably get more people subscribed. And then if a movie comes out later, people will already have the service. So, of course, they're going to watch it. They, they've already bought into it. So, I don't know how they can really separate the two. I, I don't know either. Unless they start to market, like, how much their subscriptions jump, like, after a movie comes out. Yeah. Do, like, do people just sign up? to watch this particular movie. And is there a Maybe drop that, off after the yeah. movie's done? Yeah, exactly. Like, is that going to start to be a factor? Like that spike, you know, they know that 
there's a subscription spike every time a movie comes out. But that that can't sustain forever, right? Like more and more people can't just keep subscribing and subscribing. Right. Eventually, it's got a plateau. Exactly. So you think it's you think it's less? You think these movies are making less by streaming? See, to me, it's if the studio is willing to do it, I figure they must they must have done their calculations and figured out that they can make just as much or more money this way than releasing in a theater. Right. I think they were just in a tough spot this year or 2020 um, because they didn't make anything. So at least this was some sort of payday for them. So I think it was just a rash decision, but I honestly don't know the numbers. I don't know what's going on through their minds, how much the deal is actually worth. Uh, I just feel like they're just trying to cover their losses from last year quickly. And so for that reason, you, you don't think this can possibly be long term. You no. think that they're just they're just grabbing whatever money they can right now, yeah. and they need theaters to make back their expenses. Yes, uh, because at least they they already have like a slate of movies ready to go. Um, but yeah, when it comes time to making new movies, I just I feel like this uh, this model won't work for the future. Uh, because yes, you're already going to have everyone already subscribed. Um, you're not really going to get new subscribers. Like, I don't think, like, the amount of subscribers is going to go up exponentially every time. So, uh, yeah, it's going to plateau, and then what? But uh, that's the thing about subscriptions is it's constant. It's constant money every month. You know, I don't know how much HBO Max costs, um, and I don't even know if we can get it here in Canada. Um, So, yeah, I don't know if it's, like, whatever, 20 bucks a, a month. That's 20 bucks from X amount of people every single month. So that's, it is constant money. I, I don't know how much uh, Wonder Woman 1984, quote, made, you know? Right. I, I don't know what their figures are on that. And uh-huh. I'm very curious. I, I wanted, because that was their first big, like, this is a major movie. We wanted to release this in the theaters. We couldn't wait any longer. So we just, blah, just put yeah. it out on streaming. I don't even know the result. Success, failure, I have no idea. Uh, it still did okay in the theaters, from what I heard. Um, like, they're going to make a third one based on that, I think. Um, but yeah, I have no idea. Um, did you see it? I heard a rumor you did. Uh, Adam and I watched it at home. And you had to pay for it? Because obviously you don't have HBO Max. You can rent it. You can rent it on, like, Amazon Video or Amazon Prime or something like that. For uh, Do you know how much? 30 30 bucks or something like that. Like it was like Mulan. Remember how Mulan, you could get it for a weekend for $30 or something. Right. Which I know there was a lot of backlash on that. Like people hated that you had to have a Disney plus subscription and then 30 bucks on top of that, you would get a movie that would be free in a couple months time. Uh, And so, yeah, like that just makes no sense. If uh, Wonder Woman was 30 bucks to rent, but you know, it's 20 bucks to get HBO max. I have no idea. Like, that just makes no sense. You might as well get the subscription. 20 bucks a month. A month. But if it's for one movie, like, if it's 30 bucks just to watch one movie, then you might as well get the subscription, watch the movie, and cancel. Yes. So, right, except that Adam and I were watching it together, so we each Mm. split it. Like, there's no way I would pay $30 on my own (laughs) to watch Wonder Woman 1984. But if I can have a couple of friends over which I can't right now, but, or if we could (laughs) somehow share it amongst multiple screens and everyone chips in, then it's still around what it would be in a theater, right? If it's around 10 bucks, 10 to 15 bucks a person, then 
I might be I might do that if I really want to see the movie. Right. I guess that's why they can justify such a high price cuz yeah, if you're just a solo person, I you wouldn't buy it. But if you could split it between a family, then I guess it's okay. And and that's what Disney's all about, right? Their idea was like Mulan would be something that uh, maybe two parents and a few kids would all go to the theater on a weekend anyway because what else are you going to do? Right. you got to shut shut the kids up for a couple hours. We'll take them to the theater. You're spending 30 or 40 bucks anyway. So I think that's how they justified it. But for all the uh, lonely male um, 45-year-olds at home <laughs> who really want to watch Mulan and don't have any family or friends, yeah, they, they're the ones who kind of got jerked around here a bit. Ah, uh, good thing we don't fall in that category, right? <laughs> um, so what I think, just a little piece here, I don't know if you'll be able to comment or not, but what I think is interesting is that, uh, as I alluded to in the intro, cinema has been in uh, a very similar situation a couple of times in the past. Um, firstly, uh, in the 1950s, when a little thing called television was invented, and then again in the 1980s when VCRs were introduced, uh, the argument was always the same that, oh my gosh, people won't go out if they have the option to stay home. Right. Um, and s- what, I, what it's different is that while, st- while cinema has survived in the past, streaming introduces a whole new challenge for theaters to conquer, and that is you can stay home and watch exactly what is being played at the cinema at the same time that it's being played in the cinema, which is right. which is something that television was never able to compete with, VCRs were never able to compete with. Now streaming can. You're not substituting the Ten Commandments for I Love Lucy anymore. Uh, you're not waiting months to see a movie on home video while your friends have already seen it in the theaters. Now the only reason to go to see something in a theater, if you could stay home and stream it, is for the actual theater experience itself. That is so true. And whether that's something you like or don't like on our last podcast about theaters, we all talked about great experiences we've had and bad experiences we've had and movies that are like painful to sit through in the theater. I have wished that I was just at home and I could go on my phone (laughs) or pause it and watch the rest of it the next day or something like that. Like during the Irishman, I really wanted to like that movie and it's a good movie, but it was three and a half hours of sitting in the Highland theater in their, <laughs> in their 70 year old seats. And, you know, I thought about killing myself. Like it was wow. just a, a really challenging, uncomfortable experience for what otherwise I think could have been a good movie. See, I needed to watch that movie in the theater, but I had really comfy seats. And so my ass wasn't hurting. And uh, <laughs> I, like I wouldn't have been able to pay attention at home. Um, a four-hour movie like that, I would have needed to break it up. I thought it would have ruined the flow of the movie. Uh, seeing in theaters, yeah, I had to just sit there and be absorbed. And I, and I think that brings me to the a natural segue into the next... My next question is, what's, like, what's the point of seeing something in the theater? Again, we kind of touched upon it in the last time, but like, what do you think are the biggest benefits of saying, yeah, I got to see this in the theater for you personally and what you think about other people if you do have a, a your finger on the pulse of that at all right um yeah you you kind of set me up uh before saying like um 
you, you sent me some questions before um, saying like, yeah, it's not all about the big screen anymore because TVs are huge now. Uh, right. You can get just as big of a, a screen pretty much in your own home if you have a big enough space for it. Um, so yeah. It, and is it, is and it, it's the size, just, sorry, just a quick in, interlude is the size is relative, yeah. right? So your TV is not as big as a movie theater screen, but you're sitting a lot closer to it. Right. So is that relative size comparison pretty close to what you would have seen on a theater opposed to 30 years ago when all we had were 21 inch tube TVs Right. and the theater was a huge difference. As you said, now it's really not that different. Sorry, go continue with your... No, no, uh, but that that's great. Uh, the relativity um, still doesn't affect it, I don't think, because you could easily watch the same movie on your phone and have it two inches from your eyes. Yet I don't think that has the same kind of impact. Um, so um, I feel like the theater is just a place you can go without distractions. And I think that's a huge thing that the theater has going for it. So, you know, maybe it's like, I don't want to deal with the pets, the kids, the wife, etc. I'm going to go to the theater and everyone in that space is in the same mindset of giving their attention to this movie. That's why you get angry at the guy on the phone or the people who are chatting. Because it's just like a sacred spot where everyone kind of has the rules. And it's a place to get immersed and to be distracted and to escape reality. And yeah, you can't really do that when you're streaming in your house and, you know, mom's cooking dinner in the kitchen and yelling at you that dinner's ready. You know, there's no escape uh, from your, your life. Do you think if you had like a home cinema, like if you went down into the basement and the windows were blacked out and nobody's home, like would that be as similar an escapist experience for you? Or is there still something about physically going to the theater? Um, I would love a home cinema. I think that would be the way I would want to watch movies at the house. But uh, yeah, there is something about getting out of the house and making an event out of it. Uh, you know, putting it on your calendar. You know, at this time, I got to get down to the downtown and watch this movie. You know, it just it adds some fun to it. It's 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 what we're all longing for, especially during this pandemic, uh, just to get out. So that's why I feel like post-pandemic, people will still go to the theaters because it's just something to do to get out again. I know that's how I felt. I, I needed to go to the movies. Not that I was particularly wanting to see a movie, but I just wanted to get out so i just watch a random movie there's um we talked about it last time but there's a charm right there's a sense of nostalgia of like i'm going to the picture show you know like the smell of popcorn and oh yes and it like you said it feels more productive because you're putting on pants and you're you're seeing other people and it's it's a change of environment. You're not just in your house where you've been for a long time. It, it really feels like you've made more of an event of it mm. if you if you leave. And and back to our original question, I mean, cinephiles like you and I will always probably long for that. Does your average schmo, does your average schmo care? Like, oh, we gotta we gotta put the snow pants and the boots on the kids, and we gotta pile them into the van or onto the subway. Like, ah, I can't be bothered. Just put them in, in front of the, stick them in front of the TV and give them their Skittles. I don't know, whatever. Skittles. Yeah, and just let them, let them watch their movie. Who cares? 
yeah, I've had some bad experiences in the winter when it's a packed theater and you, you have nowhere to put your coat. And so you're kind of like stuck with it. Uh, it can be a hassle. Uh, I'm not saying every theater experience is a good one. It's not. Um, but yeah, the average Joe probably won't care. They'll probably be like, yeah, I didn't have to put on pants and I got to see this. So that's cool. But we loved the aftermath of the movie. And right. this, this is why we always went to the movies together was to like grab that beer after and talk about the movie. I feel like yeah. we're losing the conversation now um, when it's streaming. Like, you know what? You and I, we're not going to watch the movie at the same time. It's like, well, I'll do it on my time. You do it on your time. And then there's no conversation after. This right. is kind of a remedy for that, this podcast. But um, if we didn't have this, I don't think we would be talking about movies like we used to. Oh, my God. What would we talk about? Nothing. <laughs> I wouldn't talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should consider it. <laughs> um, you raised all excellent points. And I, I've said before that for some reason for me, like the chances of me liking a movie are higher if I see it in the theater. That's not to say I like every movie I see in the theater. I definitely don't. But I, if I'm going to like a movie, I'll like it more in the theater than I will watching it at home. When Adam and I watched Wonder Woman, I had, as you said, the option to pull out my phone mm-hmm. and check messages. and what, So I did. Like as soon as I was... When, when you're in a theater, you're forced to put your focus on that one thing which I suppose can be torture at times, but it, it also forces you to just get a little bit more invested in it. And as I've said the last time too, my emotions are always heightened in the theater. A right. movie, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't watch a movie for the first time twice, so I can never know what it would be like watching it at home versus what it would be like at the theater. But as I said last time, movies don't scare me at home, and I've been scared by movies in the theater. And I will get really excited about a movie in the theater. I don't know exactly what it is, but for me, that's that's what I'm hunting. That that knowledge that my investment in it and my emotions are heightened uh, seeing it in the theater versus seeing it at home. Uh, I think a big factor that we haven't talked about is sound, and I think sound is a huge thing that the theater has over home uh, TV systems. Unless you have like right. a really nice surround sound system, uh, right. the sound just grabs you and like if there's a nice score it's really loud an action scene it'll just like it'll it'll just flourish with a good soundtrack and tv speakers suck yeah by and large yeah like tvs aren't aren't designed to have great speakers built into them you need a surround sound or you need a sound bar and a lot gets lost in your room like you know you have furniture people you have so much other ambient noises, pets, like I said before, they could be barking. Like, And your room is not designed for the proper acoustics. Right. But that kind of leads me into the way I do watch movies here at my house. Um, I don't like watching a movie uh, on my TV anymore, which is kind of weird. Uh, you watch it on the toaster. <laughs> exactly. But no, I, I watch movies on my laptop. Um, like That's how I prefer to watch a movie, because I can put on headphones... Um, the, it's really close. So the relative, uh, the size of the screen is relative because I'm really close to it and I don't feel like there's any distractions in sense of, um, you know, I don't know, something in the corner of my eye in the room. No, there's none of that because I'm just so close to this laptop and it's dark. So it just, it's more immersive that way. So that's my preferred way of watching movies at home now. 
Wow. On your bed or on a couch or on, yeah, the on my bed. tape that, on your bed. So I'm really comfy. Um, yeah. I, I, it's kind of lazy. It's, it's a lazy way to watch movies, but uh, it's comfy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm surprised at first, but then I, as I said earlier, growing up, uh, we all had 21 inch or if you were lucky, a 28 inch whoa. Uh, tube TV and it was a four by three. So whatever you were, movie you were putting in on your VCR, which again, the VCR quality, the tape quality was crap. The the movie was compressed to be a square four by three format with uh, some pan and scan if it really needed to show something happening in the frame at once. Someone else would alter the footage so that it, it moved laterally to show what it needed to show, which would normally just be one big shot otherwise. And uh, that's how I grew up watching a lot of movies and a lot of TV shows. And I really never cared. Like, it, I never once was like, I can't enjoy this because the screen's too small. Mm-hmm. So I, to your point about size, like, I don't really know how much size matters when you're getting invested in a good story or right. not. It, it's, it's just about... Again, my crappy 21-inch TV did not have very good speakers. It was not even showing the full frame. The quality was bad. It was probably daytime when I was watching Batman. My mom was probably clanking around with pots and pans. Didn't matter. I, I could enjoy it all the same. So maybe it's a bit of a myth that we think we need to have a huge screen and be surrounded yeah. in order to, to enjoy it if the story is good. Right. Uh, yeah. If if the movie's good, it shouldn't take away. But it's just a shame that you would watch a movie on your phone. Like, there's something about the phone that I don't like. You know, <laughs> maybe it's because you have to hold it. Like, maybe if I had a system where it was propped up on something that I don't know. Uh, there's something about the phone that I think ruins movies. Have you ever watched a movie on your phone? Uh, definitely not a whole movie. Yeah. Um, scenes. For sure. Uh, I, I agree. There's something definitely like r- removing about it. There's something that prevents it from, from you getting invested in it. Although I don't know why, because as you said, you could just hold it really close. <laughs> yeah. But how uncomfortable would that be holding your phone for two hours? Well, no, I agree. It would have to be on You'd a have stand. To be also, you get like notifications through it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, Duolingo, it's time for me to learn French. <laughs> Dot is now using uh, his phone as like a VR headset. You just, <laughs> is, is that the idea? Maybe like put it in like a, a tissue box and like attach that to your head? So if, if, I think you answered your own question with the VR thing. And when you, when you do VR on your phone, uh, which is popular, you can do that, right? Yeah. You don't just hold the phone up to your eyes and move it around you could but the effect wouldn't work you put it in that thing which distorts and amplifies the picture Mm -hmm. so that it's a bit wraparound and i think it does have to do with the relativity of like your eyes focusing on something that's really close to your eyes versus something that's like farther away from your eyes and the size it's a different that's what makes it a different experience your eyes have trouble um adjusting to things that are really really close to them yeah hence Um, why the vr headsets need to distorted a bit so that it, it looks more natural to what your eyes can can yeah can it's, handle it's really weird because i i have tried on vr headsets and i've seen what like movies kind of look like in vr and 
it, it's like you're in a theater. Like they, they really want to emulate that depth and that fact yeah. that you would have to kind of tilt your head from one side of the screen to the other to like see everything that's going on. And I, I, that is something I think uh, filmmakers love is like compositions of shots where, you know, something's on the left side because that's where your eyes should be. On a phone, you just see everything at once. It, it kind of takes away from the compositions of shots. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I wondered, and as you said, I'm holding my phone up to my eyes right now to see what that would look like, <laughs> thinking that, well, if it's close enough, I would have to move my eyes from mm-hmm. the left side of the phone to the right side of the phone. And But because I'm so close, my eyes can't adjust. Right. So it's not the same thing because it... it I'm, yeah, it's just different. I don't. I, I can't <laughs> pretend to explain uh, optics, but uh, it just doesn't. It doesn't. It's not the same quality. So maybe your laptop can do it. Maybe your TV can do it. A theater screen can certainly do it, but your phone's just too just too small. So size, I guess, does matter in in some capacity. Now you uh, talked about screen size. We talked about sound, which brings me to my next point: is uh, so in the 50s, when television was a huge threat to the to the movie industry, again, because they thought everyone can just stay home, no one wants to go to the movies, the solution was uh, we, we the theater has to offer something that television just absolutely cannot compete with. And they knew even then, television is black and white, and television is small. So we got to make sure that our movies are huge. And you saw the, the innovation of like 70 millimeter prints. You saw... Uh, Cinemascope, I think it was called, which was a patented technology name, which meant like a really, really wide, uh, sometimes wraparound screen, I think. I don't know if it was or not, but, and it required a special like compression and then expansion technique to be able to film it so that it's that wide. And Technicolor was big, like we've got to make sure that the colors are really vibrant. Also around the same time, 3D glasses. Mm -hmm. So now the, the movie's coming at you. Uh, something you can't get from your TV. They experimented with something called Smell-O-Vision, which was a, a big flop. It came out, uh, there was like one or two movies that came out with this. They would pump certain scents into the theaters that corresponded with something you were seeing on the screen. So if there's a lot of flowers in this, then you would smell flowers. Or if someone's cooking soup or smoking a cigarette, you might smell these things in the theater, which it's a stupid name, Smell-O-Vision. And then uh, the 80s saw uh, a uh, renaissance of the 3D glasses. Certainly James Cameron uh, came out with Avatar in 2009 or 10. And it saw, again, another resurgence of 3D. Like, that was the new big thing around that time later on. um, D-Box had those, like, seats that vibrated and moved. I forgot to mention that in the 60s, a... schlock horror filmmaker William Castle came out with a movie called The Tingler and it was about like a bug that that invaded your body or something Uh. like that and he had like electrical impulses that made parts of the seat move at certain times so that it was to simulate like the tinglers on you you know while it was happening in the movie (laughs) all of these all of these innovations are attempts to make the to make the audience immersed in the movie Right. Mm -hmm. Like if the screen's bigger, you can feel like you're there uh, on the plains of a John Ford Western. Or if your seat's moving uh, while your character's flying, you can kind of feel like you're flying with them. Or 
if you smell the ambience of the city streets or whatever that is that you again it, it puts you in that scenario and i i guess the question is is that what a movie's supposed to be is a movie supposed to be something that is like an experience that you feel like you're there almost like a ride at universal studios or is it just like a visual medium like a painting like when you look at a painting of flowers you don't need to smell flowers you don't need to feel like you're in a field in order to enjoy a painting with flowers on them. Should movies be immersive? Uh, at, up to a certain point. Like, I agree, you know, cinema went to, for color. That was a good move. The 3D, the moving seats, the smell of vision all of those, they just seem like gimmicks. Uh, it, they're, they're trying to add an extra dimension, which shouldn't actually be there. Um, I find them distracting at times. Like when you, when your seat rumbles for no reason, uh, I will say I had one great experience with the D box and it was Mad Max Fury Road. It felt like I was in a car the whole time. That's the only time I felt like it did it justice. Um, other than that, like, no, I, I don't think movies should be rides. Um, they have theme parks for things like that. So yeah, I don't think it's all about that kind of immersion. Uh, a real movie its story and its cinematography that should be enough to immerse you and its performances and yes yeah and it 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 does sort of the idea of an immersive movie is like an evolution of a movie because as we often talk about the earliest forms of cinema were basically duplicating what a a theater like a live theater performance was it there often weren't very many cuts it was just kind of like watching a play and uh, plays certainly aren't meant to be immersive. You, you don't. You're very far away from the actors. You have the same view of them the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the theater is designed to echo their sound. It's not surround sound. Um, but then somewhere along the way, somebody figured out. Oh my gosh, audiences love a thrill ride. Maybe it was Star Wars. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was whatever movie sort of uh, induced feelings of like vertigo or like a sense of like you yourself are sort of flying and then they realized hey this is a whole other thing and then like you said you're right uh theme parks came up with rides and it was like well that's that's where that has a place so i wonder if it's like a division of cinema like you Mm -hmm. can have a movie that's just a straight because because sound was considered a gimmick too when when talkies came out they were like we don't need this it films about the visuals right watch uh, sunset boulevard and she talks about they had to open their mouths and and sound came out and like that was all the rage all of a sudden. And I was a performer that was visual. It was about Mm -hmm. my face and my expression. So it's funny that that's where we stop. Like sound is the last gimmick that we accept and 3d sort of kind of, what do you think about 3d? Do you think 3d is a gimmick or do you think it? Uh, I do think it's a gimmick. I think it still has a far way, a long way to go before it becomes great. Um, like we chose to watch uh, The Force Awakens when it came out. We f- we made sure we watched it in 2D. We didn't watch the 3D right. because yeah, I find the glasses are distracting. They they make the picture look darker, and I really don't notice when I'm in it. Like maybe it's that good that it's like, but I don't notice. But that's not a good thing, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like I want to know it's 3D. I want things to actually pop out. But it just can't do it. The The only good 3D experience I had was Avatar. Hmm. 
And that was a movie that was designed to have that. Again, a sort of a different category of movie almost where it was like I, James Cameron wanted that to be an experience. He wanted to make the audience feel like they're in a world. He did sort of want to blur that line between movie and theme park ride. Right. I think. I don't know. He'd probably, if he was here, he'd probably punch me. <laughs> Smack you on the back of the head. Throw a phone at me or something. But um, See, that could be different. Like If someone goes in with the intention of using that gimmick to its potential and like exploit it, then maybe it'll work. But that's not going to save its narrative or its story, what the actual core of film is. Right. You're saying that uh, a good story can survive without a gimmick. A gimmick cannot survive without a good story. Yeah. Good. Excellent point. So at its core, the movie needs to be there. And if that's all that really is essential, then everything else is just a bonus, just an extra. Um, I'm going to talk about VR again because I, I find it kind of correlates with this. Um, most VR games are shitty games, but they have the gimmick of being in VR where you can just kind of grab something or do something. It, it's kind of a gimmick, but there's been one game that was made for VR and it's the best game. It's Half-Life Alex, um, for those who know what that is. Um, but it was a game built for the medium and so it works in every way. Um, and it, it's all about that immersion. Um, VR is, is trying to do, I think, what Smell-O-Vision and those seats are trying to do. Because um, they have these things called haptic suits, where there's low vibrations in your suit. So if you're playing a game that you know, you're getting shot at, you can kind of feel something on your chest. And I feel mm. like that's where the cinema would go if they're trying to make it more of a ride situation. A whole VR suit where... The screen is as big as you want it to be. Uh, All your senses will be kind of taken care of with uh, these vibrations. The only thing that people can't crack is the smell of vision. (laughs) (laughs) It makes sense to me. Like, like smell has such a an effect on the brain. Yeah, I'm like, I'm James Cameron. Give smell of vision a go. (laughs) That's what Avatar Two is all about, right? Smell of vision. Smells. It should be. Go for it. Uh, so the Half-Life game you mentioned, uh, does it work on a as a game? Like, I guess it does. It can exist right. without VR. Is that right? Yes. So that that's exactly the point. Um, you can't play it just on a normal computer screen. You have to get a VR set to play it because all the mechanics, everything revolves around being up and interacting physically. Would would the story of the game and the graphics of the game? And the, just all the other factors of the game still work without the VR mechanics. If someone were to take it and modify it and just release it as a regular console game, would it still be a good game then? Um, it would because Half-Life uh, has a pretty good narrative as a base. Um, and people are already attempting to mod it to have a 2D thing. But yeah, okay. like the puzzles are all reliant on VR. So you would just, you would you would lose it because it's like, in a normal game, you'd be like, okay, press X to open a door. That's that's as basic as it gets there. But in VR, it's like, no, I'm going to have to like slide this and open this. So yeah. it, it, it demands you to actually... The, the pleasure of it is making you do it. I, I suppose uh, video games can follow the same 
history as cinema like when you think about the earliest uh, arcade games mm-hmm. uh centipede and donkey kong and um all that space invaders or whatever were those trying to be immersive not really the idea was just this is fun that i can it's it's like a skill-based thing like can you coordinate your timing or i'm controlling this little thing it was like a it was like a rubik's cube updated you know yeah. sort of just like i'm i'm manipulating and i have to solve this thing but now it's in electronic format and it can look like whatever they want but video games too like movies people have somewhere along the way said no 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 what people want is immersion people want to feel yeah. like this is a an avatar for reality yeah uh, people have always put a lot of weight on graphics um you know better graphics it's more realistic like that's what makes yeah. a good game but then you have a company like Nintendo that's like, no, it's not about graphics. It's about the game, the experience, and that's it. And I think they prove that it's it's more to the core, the gameplay, more than how it looks. Yeah, like my the chief example for me is uh, when the when the Wii was the latest uh, Nintendo system. I think they released a Mario game called like Super Mario Galaxy. I think yep. was the Wii one. Is that right? And it was like the continuation of Super Mario Sunshine, which was a continuation of Super Mario 64 of that like um, RPG style 3D world. And like that's what Mario had become. And then they released, I think it was called Super Mario Bros. Wii. And it was like a 2D side-scrolling platform game that seemed like a true successor to the original Super Mario Bros. and Super Mario World. Where it's like that's what mario was it was just like run and jump run and jump or run and grab or slide or what have you and it was hugely popular i know way more people who had super mario bros wii than who had super mario galaxy Mm -hmm. and it sort of proved that just like you said it's not all about being there in realistic graphics and or even having 3d abilities sometimes what we want out of a game is just run and jump at the right time and so to bring that back to movies that's kind of the baseline we don't need it to be in 3d Having a 2D uh, platform is fine enough. Well, I can't think of a better place to, to end it than that. So the the future of cinema is, uh, of course, up in the air. You and I are not uh, soothsayers. We can't predict the future. You think they've got to go back to uh, theaters at some point to make some money. I think it costs them a lot of money to go in theaters. So I'm kind of you know thinking that uh, the movie theaters may die and only be saved by true cinephiles like you and I. Who knows? And uh, I can't wait to find out what the future is going to bring with you guys and how we'll be able to uh, watch and talk about movies in the future. Ryan, uh, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Dad. See you later, everyone. See you in the movies. Hey there. Remember that you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and many other options. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram as The Viewer Scott. Bye-bye.